Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. This episode of the Trail Manners podcast is sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. That's right. Health IQ rewards us for our lifestyle choices. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com backslash trailmanners or mention the promo code trailmanners when you talk to an Health IQ agent. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 108. Today we are on location at the Capstone Races here in St. George, Utah, and we're going to be speaking with the man, Dana Mud and Guts Miller. So this first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast. We are episode 108, and we are sitting here at the finish line of the Capstone Races. A beautiful day in St. George. A little hot. little. We just finished running a little bit, uh, but yeah. we, uh, we're super excited. So we have a guest we've wanted on the show for literally a year. over a year, yeah. yeah, for sure. We've been chasing him for a year. Yeah, and I'm just going to give a quick intro, and this is just basic stuff. Right. The first thing we need to point out, though, right. is not turtles. Father. <laughs> yes, that, that was a prerequisite for the interview. That's right. That so we got that out of the way. Perfectly clear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but 20 time Wasatch 100 finisher, Wasatch 100, won the Wasatch 100 80, in 1985, 87, 88, 90, and 92. Wow. But when I was talking to Joel about this, the most impressive thing to me was those finish times in right. that order. Right, so read those off. 21.32, 21.45, 21.40, and 21.36. Super consistent. That's like the same race every year. Right. <laughs> and, and you missed 1986 when I finished second. It was another 21.32. Jeez. That's super, con- <laughs> like, this consistent. That whole, and you, in 91, you did a double, right? You started yeah. at the finish, yeah. went to the start and back. Yeah, that was my 40th birthday. Oh, my gosh. Oh. That's crazy. I mean, because I didn't even know about 100 milers in 1985, uh-huh. you know, and I was right. looking at the, the list and there wasn't a lot of st- people that started the race in 1985, right? I There's think like there were 67. 67 people started. So they were yeah. like doing same day registrations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, we're just, just glad to have you here. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Okay, we can meet our permit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can't tell you how excited we are to have you on the podcast Thank because you, you are yeah. definitely, I mean, everybody knows, I mean, Mud and Guts Miller. Right. Right. Um, yep. And I have a little story because I was doing, I don't remember what year it was. It might have been 20, I want to say 2011, I want to say. Okay. I can't remember. I'm doing the Wasatch 100. Right. And I'm coming into Big Mountain, mm-hmm. mile 49-ish. Right. And 
I started running with you. Right. And I was oh, so cool. excited. Yeah. And I didn't dare say anything. <laughs> oh, I know. Right? Because it was yeah. like royalty. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And f- uh-huh. we talked for a few minutes for sure right. before we did the switchbacks into the aid station. I got into the aid station. First thing I told my wife is that, oh, and she didn't know because she doesn't follow trail running. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I got to run with, blah, blah, you know. I know. I, I was so, And I told everybody. Oh, that was my dear. the story of that race. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't dear. far. But but <laughs> that was the coolest thing, and you were just the whole time you were just super nice, oh. yeah. right? Just like well, super cordial, oh, yeah. and I was like, wow, this is. Uh, Are you sure you have the right guy? I absolutely <laughs> know I, I have the right guy because I was awestruck. I might have stumbled a few times, just kind of looking over a few times. Okay, how's he running? How's his arm swinging? What's he, got his in his, arm swinging? what's he got in his vest? Oh, that's an Ultraspire vest. What's in that? I got one of those. You uh, know? Yeah, you're too kind. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we just uh, got done running in the Capstone yep. races that Turtle puts on. Um, you, you're from down here now, right? Cedar City area. Yeah, we moved to Cedar City in '99 after I left Ultimate Direction and moved south, and so we've been there for about 18 years. Been a great move for us. Just love it up there. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful area, and it's grown a lot. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. not as much as St. George, but you know, it's still, you know, my my uh, the way I pick a town is you have to be able to park in front of the store that you're going to shop in. <laughs> You know, so you have to have a car guy, a barber, <laughs> and a decent grocery store, and then you're set. You know? that's, that's true. That's some pretty good things that's right pretty there. close well to it. the trailhead, too, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, we're half a mile away. That's kind of been our standard that I have to be able to get to a trailhead in five minutes. Uh-huh. I that's like awesome. that. Yeah, We've really kept like with that. that. It's just that's the only way to go. Man. And are you retired at this point? Are you still kind Yeah, of I retired three years ago when they figured out I wasn't worth keeping around. <laughs> so what did you do before just, you retired? I was a uh, college president at a technical college for oh, the last 10 years. You were? Yeah, it's hard to believe. You know? Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people, you know, some people want to be discovered, but I was always afraid of being found out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's why we talked about it's a small world. So I have a really close friend of mine who's my high school soccer coach, Scott Snelson. Yeah. And we just out of the blue started talking about running and he's, oh, you might know my friend. And it was you. And he's a, he's retiring uh, in a couple weeks yeah. as a technical uh, president of a technical college yeah, same, as well. same system yeah, yeah. yep so yeah. it's kind of a sister campus of scott's yeah okay. so that was just kind of interesting we we're talking kind of a small, small world, world. Yeah. yeah and yeah. he was the whole time too all and i come out from the running side and he was like oh he's the nicest guy and just went on and on i'm like uh, okay so he's not putting on a show on the trails then he's right. like this is who he is oh, <laughs> yeah yeah scott scott's a great guy right fun, fun to hear his soccer stories i just can't believe some of the stuff he's done yeah he's amazing yeah, yeah. really a mentor to me through my whole life really I'll so bet. Uh, he's been great, but let's uh, let's dive into this. We really don't have a roadmap per se, okay. but you have so much experience and history in the sport, right. and we love talking with what we call just you know founders or yeah, veterans the of the sport, the pioneers, yeah. right? Um, because you know we talked today when you did Wasatch in 1985 compared to how many hundred milers there are today. Yep, right. It's just a completely different spectrum. You it know, is. the technology of gear and nutrition and social media and training and everything else. I mean, what what was it like, and how did you even get into, like, the Wasatch 100 in 1985? Right. How did you, you find out about that? <laughs> well, um, I, I I pulled a muscle running, training for a marathon in about 82 and found out about the Ironman because I started a bike. And so I right. did the Ironman in 82 in Hawaii back when anybody could get in. <laughs> and, <true>. uh, <laughs> and then when I finished the Ironman, because back then it was held in February, and and then I heard about Western States. I thought, well, that sounds kind of cool, but I knew you had to do a qualifying run. Oh, even back then? You yeah. Did. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, either. so in 82, I ran a 50-mile road race, and it just hurt like oh. hell. Oh. 
I mean, it was the it was the Goshen to Jordan, so it started clear down on the south end of Utah Lake. Okay, finished way in the heck up in Jordan, oh, and wow. I I swore that I couldn't run another step after that fifty, and I just said, "There's no way in the world right. I can do I couldn't do fifty one." <laughs> so I didn't even register for or even try to get in Western states because right. it just hurt too bad. Well, I mar- I married my wife in nineteen eighty four. And I had been doing triathlons from 82 through 84 and right. training 30 hours a week. And and I really, really loved my wife when I told her that I didn't need to do a lot of exercise anymore. I was going to cut back to an hour a day. <laughs> okay. But I just wanted to do one more race. Okay. So I heard about Wasatch. <laughs> and I'd heard about Wasatch from Richard from Richard Barnum Reese. Okay. Because I was doing the Bear Gutsman, started doing the oh, Bear Gutsman oh, wow. in 1980. Wow. And he took it over, I think, in 81. And the second year I did it, I did the long course that finished out at Bountiful B. So, you know, Richard, he's just, he's legendary for being just a total character. Right. And anyway, so... He met us at the B because he'd put out like water jugs and and nobody carried water bottles. Seriously, this yeah. is a 32 mile run. Didn't carry us anything. <laughs> we were counting on Richard having gallon jugs at the side of the road. Well, the, the motorcyclists <laughs> would use them for soccer, and they'd just there was nothing. Are you to serious? Drink. So oh. all of us were just fried by the t- time we got to the B. So Richard was waiting for us, and he just thought it was just funny as hell. <laughs> so all the way back over to the start of the Bear Gutsman. He's telling us about the first Wasatch the year before, right? When he got lost in in the top of Hardscrabble Canyon and spent the night, right? Holy so I had, I learned about <laughs> Wasatch then. So then, in '85, when I said I want to do one more race, uh-huh. um, Wasatch was the one that I wanted to do. So I didn't Just register. one more race. Yeah. Didn't want to register. <laughs> How I didn't many times to... have you sworn <laughs> off running? <laughs> well. Right? And here he is. How many years later now? Couple. Yeah, thirty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, too many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe yeah, just one more race. I probably two years later. Yeah. So anyway, so I I think I registered for Wasatch in like August. You know, they were just glad to have you. <laughs> in and, August. Uh, <laughs> oh really? Yeah. That's so and awesome. So that, that first year, I won it and set the course record, and I thought, well, <laughs> I might actually be good at this. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, if I was fast, I would have. You know, if I could run 100 meters and win it, I'd run 100 meters. But <laughs> sadly, I was so slow that the only thing I was really good at was going really long. Grinding right. it out. Wasatch yeah. just kind of became my race. and Yeah. So my wife teases me and said, well, that's that's just the first lie you told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one more race. I mean, it could have been one more race, like as in Wasatch is the race. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, so. Right? True. I yeah. think that's how you can spin it from here yeah, on yeah, out. Right? I'll tell her that. I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll tell her. She's... She'll be eager to hear that. Oh, yeah, I okay. bet. She's <laughs> still, from she's been, but she has been seriously so supportive. She's oh. been at every Wasatch. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, she she realizes it helps me keep my sanity. I right. Mean, without running, I'm I'm not a happy camper. Are you a grouch? Not too bad, you know, but it just, it just kind of completes me. It really does. I mean, that's, it's been my sanity over the years. Right. So I think a lot of people say that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's like my, my wife says that sometimes. She goes, yeah. Cause I'll st- I won't run, period. She goes, you need to go running. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I know that's my, oh, I'm being. Yeah, get out oh, of here. I mean, yeah. like yeah. after today, I feel so much better. Oh, yeah. for sure. Well, even yesterday we did a training. Oh, yeah. That felt good. So so let me ask you this, because this is, a, I still, you know, I'm a slow runner. I still can't fathom a 21, 30, 
Wasatch, Wasatch period, let alone like consistently. a 20. Not ever. Like even just yeah. if I, all the stars aligned and I had right. a rocket booster and finished in that time. But right. we're talking 1985. And so this is my naivety. Like I see now with just shoes, socks, uh, gear. gear, you know, packs, mm-hmm. water, holding, mm-hmm. you know, hydration, what nutrition. Were the, what were the aid stations like back then? Uh, they they were pretty well stocked, you know. I, I remember in '85 uh, struggling with how to carry water, and okay. uh, I think this was about the time that Ultimate Direction started. But their stuff hadn't. I think they were still just doing single bottle packs. And right. I found a little double water bottle pack that had bottles that had a big old Velcro patch on the side and a little elastic loop you put over the oh, top. Oh, I remember okay? those. And they bounce so much that you had to wear them in the front or on the side. Right. Um, and then, but I still hadn't, I hadn't really figured out how to eat and drink well on the run. I, had, I still have a really sensitive stomach. Right. And going that fast, there are fewer and fewer things you can actually tolerate. So I plan on going primarily liquids, and then I just had a little bit of trail mix and some jelly beans and some, like, Werther's in my pack and everything else everything else I was just drinking coke primarily coke and water and, right. and then just a few munchies now was there so any the gel type stuff pretty, at that time no nothing at all Golly. no gels at all huh. um, I can't remember when the gels started I I worked oh, with I don't, uh, I don't remember with Bill Vaughn when he was developing goo was he so years later he used to send it to me on dry ice and we'd fiddle around with the formulation so wow that was years ago <laughs> so awesome yeah so, but, you know, my first Wasatch was really p- kind of cool because I just wanted to finish. And I think I, I still remember I put on my entry form that my goal time was 35, 59, 59. Right. And, but then when I went out and ran a couple sections of the course, I ran into a few people who were going to run it. And I thought, well, maybe 30, 32 hours. And so at the start of the race, I, I my strategy, which I didn't realize how powerful it was i said i'm going to run all the flats all the downhills walk all the uphill unless it's paved right and i'll run all the pavement so that was why i said that's what i'm going to do so i i used laurie staten as my kind of as my guide and because she had finished it in 1980 so she was one of the first two finishers right so i kind of kept an eye on her because i knew that she had done it in about 32 hours and somewhere around 10 miles i i (laughs) thought well you know, I, I probably I'd be going a little faster than this because it's it feels a little bit awkward. And so I, by doing that strategy of just running, you know, all the flats, all the downhills, and and hard hiking all the uphills. By the time I got down to, uh, it was then at Affleck Park at at mile 35. You used to go up the road to Big Mountain. Okay. The switchbacks. I'd moved up to about fifth place or something like that. And then by the time I got to Lambs Canyon. I, I had moved in first place, right, and then just took off from there. But all, I wasn't—I was really embarrassed when I took took the lead because I Rob Ogolt Volkanan was in the lead. He's and he was a really good runner, just legendary runner. And I still remember coming up on him, and it was paved, so I had to run. Right. So we're running up from right down at the exit uh, below Mountaindale Golf Course. Okay. Up yep. towards Lambs Canyon, and I'm running because it's paved, and I <laughs> stopped and walked with him, and I said, "Oh, I, this is just." I'm so embarrassed, you know, because I just know that I'm going to be puking on the side of the trail because I remembered my first 50 miler. Right. And at some point, the wheels are just going to come off and there's going to be nothing. Right. But I'll just get as far as I can and then I'll try to get in. 
Yeah. So they never did come off, and I ran strong to the end. That's so awesome. I really learned a lot, and that kind of became my strategy for Wasatch, was that I didn't worry about running too much of the uphills. Right. It was just, you know, really hard hiking and then run efficiently on the flats and the downhills. And, and so when you start thinking about a 20-hour or a 21-hour run, um, you know, I always figured I've got to be able to walk, you know, 3.6 to 3.9 miles an hour on about any grade uphill, and then wow, you've just got to be just got to be smooth. I never was a real fast runner; it was always more power than mm-hmm. anything, um, you know. But just to run, just glide smooth, and 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 just keep busy the whole day, you know. And I can't fathom running that fast anymore either. Right. I mean, the last time I ran Wasatch, I got to Lambs Canyon, and I thought, how did you know, I mean, I got there in like 16 hours or 15 hours. I thought, well, I used to get here in like eight, nine hours. Like, oh, my gosh. How could, how could I do that? I really don't know. I bet it's just, I mean, it's just a, it's a different league. Right. It's just a, it's a different experience, you know, and, and I still almost can't remember how it feels. Well, huh. the course has changed a lot yeah. over the years, too. It has, I mean, yeah. Different, different routes, different sections. Um, but how did you, in 1985, what was kind of your, how did you train? Because now it's just super easy to go online and yeah. find information, right. right? But how did, I mean, because it was so early back then, it still was pioneerish, right? I mean, yeah. there was just not enough. So yeah, how did you train? There, wasn't a, there was some knowledge of ultramarathoning. I mean, I think Tom Osler had a book out called Ultramarathoning, and, but these were all road people. You know, right. These mm-hmm. were all people doing 50 miners and stuff. So I'd read stuff on that and I'd read about marathon prep and I was coaching cross country at Skyview High School and then Mountain Crest High Schools and I used to run with my runners all the time so I had a good base of speed right well for me you know uh, <laughs> relatively yeah. speaking yeah exactly you know, I did a lot of high intensity work and so that summer before Wasatch my wife and I drove long haul truck semi between California and Canada oh my goodness produce and so I would I would drive more than I should have, and <laughs> and then at six o'clock in the morning, I'd finally go to bed about midnight to two o'clock in the morning, pull yeah. the truck over, sleep, and then at six o'clock in the morning, I'd get up and run for an hour, hour and a half, get the truck, and off we'd go again, and then whenever we had home, when we were home, I'd do my long runs. Right. And so I I ran about 60, 70 miles a week. That wow. was always my breaking point. But right. Kind of the keys for me. I had about three workouts that were keys. One was I would do every other week a 20-mile timed road run just wow. just for just for efficiency right just to teach yourself to have just good turnover and mm-hmm. good form and eat and drink at a high intensity right and then every other week i do a long run up in this you know six hour range like the wells of hills just a lot of vertical right and then i do some some repeat stuff you know hill repeats just almost scrambles just the steepest hill you can find right go. just total <coughs> vo2 max stuff right just all, all fours just scramble it just leg power so those are my kind of my three central workouts that I did that I think really kind of got me ready for it, Be- better than I thought. That's crazy. Like that's pretty. That's pretty advanced for that time. It was. Well, I mean, because I mean, you look at now. Too. I mean, now a lot of people are kind of doing the same thing. Okay, every couple of weeks I'm I'm gonna Longer, do yeah. I'm gonna do some intensity work, longer intensity stuff. Yep. It's like a steady state run, and I'm still gonna throw in some hard climbing. Some vert. So again, just a pioneer. Yeah, just and I laying it out from the get go. Where I, I had a pretty low breaking point, and so I tried to be really careful not to have garb, not too many garbage miles. I didn't, 
I couldn't do 90 miles a week. Right. Because my body just wasn't biomechanically. So what what do you enough. find yourself doing now, like average mileage for a week? Now? Yeah. <laughs> like in the summertime, right? When you're when you're getting ready, what's your average mileage? Oh, it, well, let's see. If I was doing 100 miles, my I would probably run 30 to 40 miles a week. Okay. Well. Gotcha. And I, and right now, all I can run at age 66, I can run three times a week. Three climbs? Three times a week. Three times okay. a week. And then I bike three or four times a week. Right. So, you, I mean, you're staying super active, though, and well, super I mean, fit. We have 32 years of base that you yeah. built. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think you're doing okay. Yeah, it's like, right? I'll just go to the well. Uh, I know it's there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'll do, I'll do, you know, I'll probably work out. 15 to 18 hours of exercise a week is about what I get in. Wow, that's a lot. That yeah, is. Without, awesome. without weight room and stuff. You know. Right. I do weights because I'm old. That's just because I've got to keep my bone density. That's <laughs> true. You do. So, something's going to fall off on a downhill pretty soon. <laughs> and I'm going to need oh, it. Oh, hell, there goes that arm. <laughs> right? Crap. Can you grab that for me? Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah, but it is. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I've just had. You know, I used to, I used to run five days a week, five or six days a week. Right. But anymore, just I can't recover. I can't have quality workouts, right. so three days a week is. So, what about point right did you me. did that start coming on for you? Um, you know, for me, it was when I started having injuries back. In fact, five years ago, I fell off a cliff about twenty feet. Oh, and oh my gosh! Lit on my face, but when I when I fell off the cliff, my left leg got hung up on the rock, mm-hmm. and it just folded me right over and it. it tore the whole hamstring bundle right off my hip. Oh, my goodness. Just totally separated. And then I hit face first, bad concussion, mm-hmm. and it was about six weeks before they diagnosed that I had had a total hamstring rupture. Right. And oh so they went in and reattached all those hamstrings, and I've just never never been the same since. I finished Wasatch since then. Right. And then I've had my left foot uh, fused, mm-hmm. and my right ankle just got totally rebuilt last January. Wow. So I think all those things just biomechanically i'm so inefficient now um but it really wasn't until like five or six years ago that i really i mean prior to that time it was just kind of a a, a gradual decline decline. but i you know i've thought a lot about how long can somebody stay at the top of their game right i mean how long can you really be way up there you know i know that ann trayson has written about it and ann and i've talked about it a little bit and you know like i feel like that somewhere around Seven to ten years, if you're really, really working at it, that's mm-hmm. about as long as you can stay way up there. Right. You know, it, and it just kind of depends on how, on how early you start. Um, but that's that's about, that's hard to stay on top for that long. Cause right. Part of it's mental, part of it's physical. Right. You know, I mean, you kind of get tired of it and then things start to break and... <coughs> You know, you you don't recover well, but if yeah, if you can have a top flight career of eight or ten years, you've done really really well. So that brings up a good question. So at, when you were at your your height, were you solely focused on running, or were you doing some other stuff as well? So did you have interest elsewhere, say fly fishing, mountain biking, skiing, um, pottery, something like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, I'm well, the movie Ghost. my wife yeah. and I have yeah. a we we have a hers, mine, and ours family with seven kids. Yeah. And so the family was always really important to me. Okay. And I worked more than full time, usually had two jobs. Right. So running, I really had to be 
squeeze it in. Right. I cross-country skied in the winter. I okay. did some snowshoe racing. Right. Um, I did adventure racing early on, like Eco Challenge and some right. of that stuff. Um, so just some of those types of things. Okay. I was a crappy cross-country ski racer, but a good, a good snowshoe racer. Okay. Uh, so yeah. you were like you were like good at things before they became things. Yeah. Before they became like <laughs> well, super see, popular. If you start yeah. early enough, that's the key. You got to yeah. find something nobody else is doing. Good point. Yeah. Like so pickleball. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's kind of cutting edge right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're it may be too late for pickleball. It really is. I think, I think you've missed that. you got to find something else. We ah. talked a year ago about forming a pickleball team, and we just yeah. never followed through We just through haven't with gotten it. around to <laughs> it yet. It's, it's you'll never make, You won't even be top ten now. I know, right? Those <laughs> right. guys are serious. they got different leagues everywhere. That's right. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Carbon well, yeah. fiber paddles. I you saw know. that. Yeah, Isn't that amazing? Go. I got yeah. some old wooden ones. I got like big five. No, nah, man. <laughs> we're going carbon fiber ones. Once we go there, we're so going all yeah, in. Yeah, you better go all the way. Cause yeah. you, you can't, you know, you're. You don't want to be the guys on no. the court with the wooden paddles. Because well, you're like going to you be fun of With the headband. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we're definitely getting the headband. But on the other hand, you know, you could blame it on your equipment. So yeah, there is something to be said for that. Yeah. So, God, this is what I'm th- I'm thinking about it. I mean, we, we need to break in. So, if anybody's looking to sponsor a pickleball team, or <laughs> give you us know, a call, yeah, huh? give us a call. Right. We'll you know we'll we'll take care of it. Just, we got to learn the rules first. So, I mean, looking back again to to like early on when you were getting into it, who were some of the people? Were there people that you like looked? I'm gonna say looked up to, but like looked at as they were on the top of their game. Like, who were the people before you? that were kind of the pioneers of that time. Well, you know, Western States got started early. Yeah. I think they were 77, may have been like their first year of the, the organized event, or 76. And some of the Western States guys that were running fast, Herb Tanzer and some of those folks were the people who I really looked to as the, I kind of called them the real runners because they were fast. I mean, Wasatch was not a speed course in those no. days. So, you know, so instead you look at Western states and they've got winning times at Western that are, you know, four hours. Right. You know, Jim King, some of these guys, four mm-hmm. hours, four and a half hours faster than Wasatch. And so right. for me, they were always kind of the California runners that, that who, who I thought were really fast. Yeah. Um, and I do remember um, Rob Landis, who won Wasatch in 83 and 84. Um, Rob, he was the one who took the course record from 30 down to 22. I mean, he just, <laughs> Whoa. yeah. So he, and Rob was, he was a really, really tough, tough runner. So this was back in the Creighton King days and Jared Higgins, kind of these old guys that were just, you know, I mean, Creighton's a, a Pikes Peak winner and right. just, I mean, Olympic quality, you know, Olympic marathon qualifier. You know, just these amazing runners. These guys all hang out. They hung out together and trained together. They used wow. to call themselves the Wolf Pack. Oh, that's awesome! So Before the Wolf Pack became something, yeah, I know, right? Serious, yeah. So, <laughs> so Rob, Rob took the course record from you know from thirty down to twenty-two. Mm-hmm. That's and, amazing. And I still remember the first time that I talked to Rob. I was registered for Wasatch, and I was putting on a race up in Cache Valley, mm-hmm. the Wellsville Ridge Run, and Ooh. Rob came up. Yeah, that was one I put on in the 80s. That's awesome. That's, was that before the wilderness designation? Yes. Oh. That's okay. why we stopped. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So I was say, because you, you look at those Wellsville's, oh, you're, they like, are so fun. you're like, oh, my gosh, that would be so cool around that ridge. Yeah, we'd start at the ch- church in Menden okay. and run up up a deep canyon all the way across the top, oh. almost down to Sardine, and then down to the pur- was purple, purple church in Wellsville. Okay. You know, and so we were running times like two hours and 40 minutes. I mean, just 
crazy stuff. But Rob came up. He wasn't in Wasatch that year, and 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 I was, mm-hmm. and and he was running the Wellsville Ridge Run. I was running it just for a for a workout the week before Wasatch. Right. I, oh, the week I remember. I remember oh, tapering ask, up. Yeah, <laughs> I remember asking Rob. I said, "Can you give me any any hint at all how to do this? You right. know, what's what's the strategy?" And he said, "Well, my strategy is just to go as hard as I can for as long as I can." Oh gosh. I mean, just go out hard, and then he said, "You're going to blow up." going to happen so right. let that happen as far into the race as you can get and i said anything else and he just said drink until you puke <laughs> oh gosh so those were my two <laughs> so you get hypo that's, in the cream, that's jill's know? college days yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's only oh, one no. year <laughs> yeah so those, those were those were his two pieces of advice wow. and, wow. and uh yeah he was just such a strong run but rob i really had just a tremendous amount of respect for rob because of you know, Broody putting Wasatch down there into, instead of this just this crazy thing that hardly anybody finishes and is right. really slowed down, getting the time down there to just That's crazy amazing. fast. Well, yeah. what was what was the, the thought with, with that? Because, like, you look at it now, and if someone, I don't care what race, and they, that's an eight-hour cutting the, the course, right? I mean, the, the t- course huge, record. Right? So that's huge. Oh, yeah. So what was the thought when that happened where people just kind of like, oh, my gosh, right? Because that's, that's a huge you Difference. know, it, it it was a big jump. I talked to, I, I've been doing a, I'm working on a book for Wasatch. And oh. I'm posting stories on, yeah, on the Wasatch those. website. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I talked to Ben Duell. Mm-hmm. And Ben uh, won it the previous year. And he he finished it in 30 hours. Right. This was 1982. And he was disappointed and almost embarrassed because <laughs> he... He came from the California end of things, and he was training to try to, to set a record on the John Muir Trail. Right. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. But I think some, he either got injured or it was just such a bad snow year that he had to pull out of that. So he came out to Utah, and so the standard was, well, if you couldn't do it, if you couldn't do a 100 miler in under 24 hours, you know, you should probably not even put the shirt on. Because that he came from that Western States philosophy. Yeah. Oh was my really gosh! Taught flight Western State philosophy, you know. So right. when he came out to Utah and ran Wasatch, they weren't ready for him to go that fast. Oh, oh he'd never good been point. on the he had he'd never been on the course. Right. And he he told me about getting to to uh, to Brighton, mm-hmm. and he had to wait for like a half hour for a, a pacer to show up <laughs> to show him. Up over Catherine Pass and down the other side. Right. And so he lost, he figures he lost two or three hours just oh, kind of waiting, <laughs> waiting for people. And then it was right. really crappy weather in 82. I mean, okay. he said the only reason he went to the start was so that they could, he could be there when they called it off. He said, right. there's no way in the world they're going <laughs> to do the race that way. So he was kind of embarrassed for a 30 hour. And so when he came back in 83, he, he, he really, he really knew he could go sub twenty. He, he oh said sub twenty four would be easy, and he did go a sub twenty four. I think right. he ran like a twenty two fifty or something. So um, he he knew it was possible. Right. But I think that Wasatch just hadn't gotten that quality of runner of yet. a runner out here right. yet. And I think that some of the people who were you know running, they'd look at a thirty or thirty two hour finish time coming from a race that you could finish in eighteen. They're going. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I want to go out and tackle that one right now. Right. Because it would, I mean, looking at it that way, people yeah. would look at Wasatch as that's hard. Like yeah. the Western States runners would look at Wasatch like, oh, I don't want, that's too hard. Yeah. Well, right? and, it, and it had, it was, it was notorious for being poorly marked. Oh, okay. I mean, it was, 
it was a little sketchy, and because I, I do remember the first year, literally the the course, the the pre-race stuff said, bring a compass <laughs> and a snake bite kit. So serious, and you had and you had narrative directions. The narrative directions were literally like eight pages long. Oh my gosh! And then it was like you know, go down here and you can see this log that's got kind of a gnarly big old root hanging out of it. Really? There's some white rocks off to the right. And then look at a faint trail that's going to take off at about 120 degrees. So take that one. I mean, that's how it was. And you, I mean. when What year was, would you say that was? Was that when you were well, running? Oh, it was 85. Okay, 85. so that makes, yeah. to me, that makes what you did then more impressive. Exactly. Because you had to pay a lot closer attention because now yeah. it's, everything's marked so well. Right. You don't have to pay attention almost. Well, I remember getting at the top of Catherine Pass. Uh, so we left Brighton. I was with my, my cousin was pacing me. We got to the top of Catherine Pass up by up by um, what's the what's the peak up there? Is that the well, that's the, the beach. Big one, Catherine. Catherine. No. Oh, anyway, sundial so or something. We're up at the top there, and we pull the maps out, and we've got like flashlights, like do, two D cell like flashlights. Oh D's. yeah. Oh yeah, my God. Those big heavy ones. Yeah. I mean, double D's. They were the way to go because you could really see, you know. Yeah. So we get those out, and we're we're reading the directions right and we're like okay it says that there's a faint trail that takes off it says at 120 degrees to the right of a bush <laughs> so literally we're up there in the dark looking for a bush yeah, it's like you know it's like 11 o'clock at night trying to figure out okay i think that's it because there was not there was no trail going off there going down that knolls you oh, know yeah going oh, down yeah. that hole I, yep. I mean there were only there there were probably about four ribbons all the way down to the bottom that's it. <laughs> oh, to keep you out of going over those cliffs you know right. you go too oh, far yeah. Yeah. You're, you're you're just, well that's you're a screwed well come, going down at knoll to at knolls is rough yeah, it's hard it's technical Period. it's steep yeah. there were just i mean you just you just follow your nose right yeah. I mean, it was just crazy wow. well i think late in a race too like you think of a hundred miler oh. late in a race you're kind of bacon you I smell know. that so we're at the, we're at the finish line of the capstone so people are still finishing and now we smell bacon turtles yeah, got the turtle, bacon turtles we got all the, just kind of perked up right there yeah I, I told him i'd come down just for the bacon yeah, yeah he didn't have a going at the starter Gee. i would have had some then i think when we take our break we'll have to go get some bacon <laughs> there we go <laughs> but yeah i mean late in a race though 100 mile race you're not really thinking straight sometimes anyway well, right because right? you, you know you're just you're tired, you're fatigued. You're tired. So now if you now throw into the mix that you really have to wayfind, it's like a you know miniature Barkley situation, right? <laughs> it's oh. like, okay, I got the compass here, there's a bush there, yeah. but Is there's that a the bush right over bush? there. Yep. But there's a tree. Mm -hmm. I just and there's there's a bunch of faint trails from animals. And then, and then you're still going at, you know, sub twenty two, right? Know, yeah, that's pace. so impressive. It's not like you're just busting out. You're you're stopping and looking and that that to me is even more impressive impressive and yeah. kind of awe. Well, <laughs> early amazing. on, though, see, Wasatch had, the first time I did Wasatch, it had 18 miles of gravel road at the end. <sighs> so once you got on the gravel road, you can, you can motor. Yeah, you could, it was just, <laughs> yeah. Mile Wait eight. a minute, you said 18 miles, 18 not miles. eight. 18 <laughs> You can miles. motor 18 yeah. miles oh after 80 So the way it miles. used to go is you'd come down off Catherine Pass and, and get into the bottom and stay mm -hmm. into the bottom. Yeah. All the way down until you hit the road that went up to Poline Pass. Okay. And then you just ran Snake Creek all the way down. Wow. Yeah, so once you got there, you were home free. Right. And, and you didn't have to worry about, like, no. left turn, right turn. A few. You just had to. I mean, there were from some intersections. Okay. It wasn't really technical route finding. 
And, 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 and here <laughs> we are kind of talking bad about the finish now. We have to oh. go around the dam, which oh my is like gosh. What, four or five miles. Going around that lake, going around that long lake is isn't awful. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care. I don't care what year it is. That's, yeah, that's no fun. You know, but it's easier in the dark. That's, that's yeah. one thing to be yes, said. Yeah. That's what you know. If you're going fast and you do it in the dark, yes, you don't see all that stuff. No, you, you know, don't. But man, if it's light, you don't you're come just around like, corn. You're like. Damn it. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you can see far, far, oh, far, just, far yeah, away. It goes exactly. on forever. <laughs> I does. know what you mean. It really does. And you got the indignation of going up that little pavement hill to the finish now. now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And you have yeah. to run it because people can see you. I know, They right? can. That's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, so you're always like, everyone with Jill's face, I'm like, okay, I'm going to save it here because I know I'm going to have to use something here that exactly. I don't have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, hmm. So... Back then, did you? So there were pacers. There was the crew situation. I mean, uh-huh. that was all there. When did when do you think uh, Wasatch really started to? I would say get relevant, but just take off because you had sixty seven start in eighty five. When do you think it really started to catch on to where it became part of history? Really, you know what? I mean, it was always. I mean, it was one of the original four. You know, so so Western states, uh-huh. Wasatch, Vermont. Vermont? No, Old Dominion. Old Dominion. Oh, that's right, Old Dominion. And, Leadville. and Leadville. Leadville. Yep. Yeah, Old Dominion. So it was one of the original four, so it had the history going for it already. Right. And it just, you know, if you, it, it was just a gradual growth. It wasn't an explosion. Right. You know, Old Dominion kind of got started and struggled for a while and still only, I mean, I think there were fewer than 50 people finished the 100 this year. Wow. It never really put its roots down. You know, right. But Wasatch just kind of, just kind of, just grew gradually, I think, kind of along with the sport of ultra running. Right. Yeah. So it kind of mirrors that. You that know, but it was it never had the the hype that Western States does. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, Western States, I mean, they just had the lottery this morning. Yeah. You know, and it's a big deal. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. it's like not just the race itself, but everything leading. They have training runs. They've got, you know, everything involved. So it's it's a little bit different. It, yeah. It's a, yeah. And, I, and, you know, it's interesting because I think that the – you know, the races kind of reflect the race directors and the originators. Yeah. And, you know, if you spend time around John Groban, you guys probably have. Yeah. Right. And, or Steve Baugh, you know, who, you know, the, the craziness kind of came from Richard Barnum Reese. And then you just had that down-home stuff of Steve Baugh and John Groban's just a plain guy. He yeah. doesn't like to draw attention to himself. So he's not going to have a long pre-race meeting. He's not going to. Yeah, time inter- it. Yeah, know, exactly. He's not going to introduce previous race winners. He just. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, just like, that's not why we're here. Yeah. Right. We're here for that 32-hour person. Yeah. Right. That's that's what this race is really all about. And yeah. that's, you know, I mean, Western is really, really different. The first time I went down, I was just shocked. Oh, just man. Just shocked by all the hype. I was. Oh, it was just crazy. I've been there once and absolutely yeah. blown away. Oh, right. The, yeah. the media, the the but it, blood you know, pressures. Cool, and but it's just so different. Oh, it is. It's a completely yeah, different. I mean, just a different Wasatch, thing. you go to Sugar House. Yep. They time the, the race meeting you time, but I think it's like nine minutes. Right. Oh, yeah. If it's nine the, minutes, yeah. that's long. Yeah, yeah, right. I think he set a PR this year. I think it was under seven, I think. <laughs> that's for awesome. a 100-mile race. But that's expected. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's kind of the kind of the aura with Wasatch, too. Yeah. Right? And it is more low-key right. on all levels. The finish line, but they still do a top-notch job of everything. It's yeah. just they do. Not the, the aid stations are... They're well run. Yeah, and the, they right? are. Yeah, they do a great the job there. Is, I think the marking's fine. I've never heard a problem with marking. I've no, only got lost once. Yeah, that was my fault. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it never was as bad as people thought. Right. Or you know was claimed to be. Well, that was the Bears' big stick for so long was the right. course marking. Yeah, yeah. the Bear One Hundred, 
and now it's now it's pretty good unless yeah. the cows knock everything over. Yeah, yeah. or the Eat drunken the or the hunters. Herders, yeah, yeah, they're out there. That that will happen. Yep. So with uh, what other races? You, so you're, I mean, twenty time Western or excuse me, Wasatch finisher. What other races out there that have you done over the years that kind of stand out? Far as not just how well you did, but kind of that quality, that lure to them. Um, you know, I had it. I went back one year and did the Arkansas Traveler. Oh, okay. And absolutely loved that race. Huh. Why it is was that? it was so fun. It was a it was kind of a neat course. It had a it was like an 18 mile loop and then a like an 82 mile loop. Okay. Wow. And so you got to come back to the start. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a big loop. <laughs> yeah. You got to come back to the, to the start finish area, but just right. the whole scene was just amazing. It was just down home and friendly, you know, the right. race director got up there literally in bib overalls and <laughs> told off color jokes. That was just, you're almost embarrassed to hear them. Well, you're, you're in <laughs> Arkansas, so <laughs> yeah, you're it's kind of normal. <laughs> Aid stations have but mason jars for yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the moonshine or water. <laughs> <laughs> but the people were just so genuinely nice that right. it just had such a pleasant, you know, familiar feel that I really, really enjoyed that. Okay. So that's that's been one of my favorites. And then when was the last time you ran that? Oh, it's been, wow, it would have been like before 2000. Okay. okay. Yeah, way back. Um, recently, one of my favorites, I, lo- I love the Logan Peak run. Yeah. Isn't that good? That it's is so, because that's my old stomping ground. Yeah, true. I'm an old Cache Valley guy. But there's just, that is so beautiful. Once you, you know, it's, well, it's fun to go to Logan Peak and then you get, let's say, down the snow banks, yep. you know. Then going on that north side of Logan oh. Peak, isn't that all amazing? That vegetation. When yeah. you get when you get off the fire oh, road, and you take that left. Oh, yeah. the single track off the left. Yeah, oh, it's so much fun. Magical. That is just <laughs> and then magical. you hit the flowers. The flowers. Yeah, yeah we talked. We actually talked about that this morning. You can kind of ignore the mud section for a yeah. little bit. You know? Yeah. And, and then you, you got Dry back. Canyon. Yeah. Then you got Dry Canyon. Then that's you can a go fast. that's a good race. Watch out for the cows. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's really one of my favorites, and I I've really enjoyed the bear, yeah, because that's back in my old home. My the first half is. Trails that you know through everything to Tony Grove. I used to run a lot in training, right? And so that just always feels like down home to me. And that course is so pretty. Yes, yeah. it's it, especially beautiful. once you get like I mean the first part is pretty, but once you get above Tony Grove, uh huh. If you're running at any time during the day, you're just like wow, this is so oh. neat, yeah, so much get, fun. When you get over the other to towards the end, and you see Bear Lake down there, yeah, it's just oh. that deep deep blue it you is. know it's just beautiful and then the the maples over there are just going off they're super red every and time orange every time yeah, every i think time. last time i ran through there you know the aspen leaves were just kind of fluttering down yep. and it was just and they're vibrant yeah it was just so picturesque and you're like, like am i hallucinating at this point or <laughs> yeah. is this really happening it was yeah so the bear is just a real favorite too i really like that Leland yeah. does a good job yeah that's yeah, he does. that's come a long way yeah it really it has. has i mean it, it's always been a good race Right. right, and the course and the colors and all that, but yeah. it's just come a long way uh, towards the quality of it. It's getting better every year. Every year, yeah. right. aid stations, everything. That's yeah. you know, that's and a, there's another example of the race reflecting the race director. Yeah, I mean, right. Leland is such a, a soft-spoken, he humble is. guy. You know, I mean, fish fry at the end that he, oh. you know, the fish that he raises. That's yeah. the last time I've had trout. Was at his yeah. race? Yeah, and it was so good. Yeah. He's the neatest guy. I mean, I've he had, is. I got mm-hmm. an opportunity to run with him a couple times, just with some local friends and. Yeah, he'd have a sandwich with him, and he'd we'd start our run. He'd stash it by a rock, yeah, and pick it up on the way back, yeah, and just neat. his whole mentality. Yeah, and funny, one of the stories this year at the Bear One Hundred I thought was pretty funny is just who Leland is. Someone came up, and he has all the stuff at the finish, the fish, and all this yeah, stuff. Oh yeah. And someone asked him if he had 
I don't know, some random type of, like, I don't know, it was almond milk or 1%. <laughs> and he just looked. 1%? Yeah. He just gave him this deadpan look in Leland. He's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and just walked off. Yeah, the person exactly. just left standing there. And I was laughing so hard. I thought that's the funniest I don't need thing. to apologize for not taking your dietary needs exactly. into consideration. Oh, just, I love that. It yeah. was just that's so, so it true. Was, it was right? Leland. It was oh, just my like gosh. His so total that, MO. So that brings up another good point. So, you know, I ran the aid station um, up at Francis Peak for a couple of years at Wasatch. Yeah. And... This was when social media was really becoming popular. And people are always asking. Other aid station captains were like, gosh, what, what do you guys want? They're posting this. Yeah. And all these runners were saying, well, I want X, Y, and Z. I said, this is what you're getting. This is what you're getting. <laughs> this is what you're getting. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Beyond that, if you need something special, that's your responsibility. Yeah. It's not mine or the race committee's responsibility at that point well, you got a couple hundred people you're gonna have a couple oh. hundred point of oh, views okay. and oh i know right yeah you just give them what they need to get to the next aid station and that, that's kind of one of my pet peeves and i've talked to john groban about this over the years but i, I called it the the 10kization of 100 mile running okay so tell you us know, about just, that well just you know when people bring that mentality of you need to cater to my every need mm -hmm. and i'm going to be upset with you i'm going to be pissed off if I get lost. I'm going right. to be mad if a marking's pulled down. I'm going to be mad at if I don't have the right kind of goo or the you know the right flavor of mm -hmm. whatever. To me, that's just wrong, mm -hmm. um, you know, to put a fine point on it because, I mean, I, I just think there's there's something about being self-reliant. Right. Yeah. And, and for a lot of people, that's what got them into trail racing in the first place was that you could you know, you like to be out there. You like to figure things out. You, right. you like to be able to kind of do it your way. And and I think to have have to have those types of expectations that people bring from other forms of racing is, I, I think, unfortunate. Right. I, it kind of bothers me. You know, I just, I'm kind of like you. It's like, you know, if, if I go a race, I read what they're going to have. If it's something I can't eat. Mm hmm I, I either carry it with me or I put it in a drop bag. I mean, exactly. you're just like, okay, cool. Well, I can't, I can't do hammer gel or I can't do that. Yeah, so right. Well, you, know, you just, yeah. I just, I think, I think we've missed, we miss an opportunity. I don't think it was, you know, to say that it's ruining the sport would be going way too far. But I think to be self-reliant, to really do it on your own, mm -hmm. yeah, is pretty amazing. I mean, I did, for example, a, a woman that I helped help coach didn't get in the bear this last year because she didn't have a qualifying time and so she did uh, the week before the race she did the bear she did the snow bear oh, oh wait so, a minute so there's been low. a couple snow bears though yeah so Which she year? she did tony and back okay okay oh. that's the, that's yeah. the that was, bad one that was the nasty polar bear. bear yeah that's was that the, the nasty bear, bear or the polar bear <laughs> so she ago. did that yeah. solo wow you know and and she had the most amazing time we went up her husband and i crewed her and and i paced her through the night and her husband ran the last i think 18 with her I mean, that was an amazing effort for me, for just to go out there and do it yourself. Oh, right. Especially Figure that the whole one. thing out. Course isn't marked. You know, there right. are no, there's there's nobody to key off of. There aren't 50 people waiting for you at an aid station. There's nobody at the finish line. Right. I just thought, wow. 
you know, I just had so much respect for her. It was just amazing. She called it the J Bear 100. <laughs> that's awesome. But she's in next year. She already sent a re- saved the date, so I'm committed to nice. her next oh, year. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. So we get to see you there. Yeah. So, so I just have a lot of respect. You know, guys like Davy Crockett. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, like what Davy ran a hundred mile on the treadmill. Did last you see night. how yeah. fast he yeah. got to Holy like cow. 80 miles or 90 miles? Yeah. That was amazing. We called the Treadmill 100. Yeah. Me and Joel I mean, were talking about in the hotel the room. Like, what is Davey wrong with Davy? He's amazing. I just shake my head. That's yeah. that, that's somebody that's, that's on a, our list to get on the show. That's Absolutely. just a diff, He's just. I don't think I could do that stuff. Oh, you know, I could He can just go out mm-hmm. and just be at it all day long. Stuff that nobody's ever done. I know. Like Pioneer some routes. of the like super solo stuff that he does. Yeah. It, you're just like feeling a little nervous for him at some points. Yeah. We're running like, across oh Utah Lake in the winter. Yeah. All this stuff, just but he always blows my mind. has fun stuff for yeah. sure. So yeah. we're, we're going to take a really fast break here, yeah. and then we'll be right back with more Dana Boat. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, hold on. Did you know that 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance? Other life insurance companies calculate your policy rates based on your nearest age, not your actual age, and rates increase as you get older. Lock in the best rate possible by getting a free quote today. Learn more and get a free quote today at healthiq.com backslash trail manners or mention promo code trail manners when you talk to a health IQ agent. Now let's get back with the podcast. All right, welcome back to the Trail Manners podcast. We have Dana Mud and Guts Miller on the show here at the Capstone Races. Turtle Miller puts on such a great race. Again, we cannot stress this enough. Dana is not Turtle's father. True. <laughs> right? I mean, we've got to make sure people understand Not that. even related. I, Not don't think, I don't think our family trees cross anywhere. Well, you can tell. You can tell exactly. they did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, oh, he is so. so much more handsome. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so many things we can get into here. <laughs> exactly. But no, Turtle, Turtle's a great guy. He but is. just He's not related. <laughs> um, but, you know, a couple uh, weeks ago, we had uh, Phil Lowry on yeah. the show. And, you know, Phil's been around a long time as well. Yep. And one thing we talked about is uh, racing and right. races. Right? Do they do they stay that old school feel like we talk about with Wasatch? Right. Or do they turn, and as we talked about before we broke, and cater towards that new, a new segment that's n- coming in from 5K, 10K marathon side, or maybe just the popularity maybe, yeah, in maybe general? Yeah, maybe millennials. Yeah, they come in expecting something different. Because we've seen these, we've seen these bursts. We saw nothing for a while. We saw some names come through, and then of course, Born to Run was launched, which changed many things. Right. It, and now yeah. it's like we're in this next phase. Yeah, that's a good point. Right, we so are in the next phase. We're in this next phase. So, right, l- let's talk about that. Let's talk about that that old school tradition Wasatch versus you know maybe some newer races that are popping up or having to bend towards. Well, it's like I think Phil said either needs. either you adapt, or or you kind of like fade away. Yeah, and it makes me sad to think about that. Well, because you got that hardcore, your group, even Joel and I's, I don't call it, like our generation, generation, right? perfect. Like we're used to a Wasatch. We look for that. Right. We look for that old school. Or like feel. a like a Vaquero Loco. Yep. Have you ever done that race? Which one? El, Vic- El Vaquero Loco. No. Oh, one of okay. the best races ever. Ty Drain puts before it on. Before you retire, you got to do that. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, let's 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 get into that. So, before we went to the break, we kind of were starting to touch on that. Um, and you were saying, you know, one of the reasons we've done this or we continue to do this is that self-reliance, kind of getting out there and kind of being on your own to a certain extent. And now this newer generation that's coming up are coming through the ranks. One, they, they don't kind of understand the history 
And that's one of the reasons we're, we're doing the podcast. We want to interview you is so that we, we have a record of it. And they're coming in the ranks and they're like, I really don't care. I just want to do the event. Do you think they're missing out on a more rich and deeper experience by maybe having that mindset? Well, that's a hard question. It is. You know, I don't know. I mean, they probably don't miss it at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Maybe I mean, they've they, never known yeah, it, right? Yeah, they just, you know, they don't, they, they don't know it. That was very diplomatic of you. Yeah. So I don't know that they, I don't know that they miss it at all. If, so if it doesn't have the things that they're accustomed to, they might think, well, that was kind of a crappy race. Right. But would they be missing out not could knowing the, some of the history? Could their experience be deeper and more meaningful? If they were more attached or understood. No, no, that brings up a pretty good question. I, mean, I think that he, yeah. he brought up a good point. Maybe they just don't know what or that experience is, right? It's for them, it's like bucket list, move on what, to the next yeah, thing. Why, why do I need to feel that? You know, I mean, right. what, I, I don't need that in my life. I, so I, it's a hard call. You know, and, I, and I don't know if, you know, I, I, I kind of know how Phil feels about, about this, but... You know, I don't. I don't know if races really need to adapt or go away. I, I think if you, part of it comes down to wh- why are you putting on a race? Right. If you're yeah. putting on a race, and it's not successful unless you have 800 people sign up. You yeah. Know. Or if you're saying you know 200 is great, and right. We want we want a specific clientele. I mean, right. Who are you selling to? If 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 you don't need to be 400 or 500 or 600, if your business model doesn't require that. Or your you permit can, doesn't allow for yeah, it. Yeah, then, you know, you can be, you can stay, you know, and I, and, you know, there's some allure to those races that are so selective and, and you know, kind of, I think have that history. There's a place for them. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, but if your goal is to raise your race up and sell it, then you better play the game because right. it's not going to appeal in a new market. So part of it is the business of racing for me. And if you don't, if you don't need that, if you're just saying that's not where we're going to go, then you just say, well, if our numbers are down or we don't have as many people in the lottery, fine. Right. I mean, are you, how, how excited do you want to get about it? That's a good point. I think, like, for me, for example, I enjoy the history of it. It makes me feel closer to it. It makes yeah. me understand it more. Like you're um, part of it. Like Yeah, exactly. So, like, you're, you are part of the, quote, unquote, legacy of whatever you're doing. Right. You might, you might not be a standout person like no one will ever say your name but it's you've fine. experienced like a wasatch 100 that was right. my first 100 miler ever yeah and it's as much as the course has changed and some things that you know i've done it three times and it's it was my first hundred so it's always going to hold that place for me yeah. right no matter what and there's some races i do not care to do uh-huh. and a lot of it is because they're so commercialized mm-hmm. right and they're so catering it, it, to that degree right we, we talk about all the time i look for those Capstone races, right? Where you can come out, just hang out, they're, get, get yeah. a run on, yeah, have a good personal, time. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, you know, your crew can get where they need to go. Yeah. It's just, you know, you you kind of know what you're getting into. You know it's going to be a little bit, a little ragged around the edges, and it's kind of fun that way. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, again, it goes back to what you said before the break, and you kind of reliant on yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. like, oh, they don't have that? Well, I'll bring it my own, uh, my own self. Yeah. Um, but we had, you know, kind of goes back to what we're saying. We talked to Bryce Thatcher um, a little bit, and he said he sees the trend right. on gear going to where I want to buy a pack, but I want this pack to be for running, mountain biking, skiing, it's like walking multi- around Disneyland. Multi- one, one fits all, right? Because people have these bucket list items, right? Right, or they're into more things like 
ultra running, 100 miles, 50 miles, that takes up so much time. So that's kind of your focus. Right. And now you see more and more people that <clears throat> ultra run, uh, mountain bike, right. ski in the winter, and then they move on to something else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a great point that he brought up. Do you see there's a need for both, right? The the old school Wasatch versus these the newer races that are coming on to sell 500 slots. Oh, I th- I think so. I mean, if it was a brand new sport, you know, it'd be a little bit different. But right. there are races that are kind of heritage races. I mean, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Heritage well, I mean, like races. Western states. It's like, I mean, that's that's just that's you know, Gordy Ainsley and those you know Cowman Shirk and those guys who did that really <laughs> way man. way back. You know, yeah. I mean. It's really fun to think about them doing that, or you right. know, in Wasatch to think, you know, there there were there was a year nobody finished. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> that's that really cool. cool. You know, 1981, nobody finished. You know, nobody <laughs> made it past 52 miles. I mean, that's oh kind of cool. Oh my To think about it, you know, and I think to have that have that kind of sense of where this race came from, I I just believe that adds that adds so much depth to it. Right. And and so for me, I really appreciate that. But I'm a pretty sentimental person, and okay. yeah. when I go do a race, I like to read who did it and kind of how it got started. And right. I like to kind of understand how the course developed. Mm-hmm. You, you know, not just from where does the course go, but why does it go there? Why is this named that? Yeah. Why? Right. Is, and you know, yeah. What, there's a junction named after somebody. Who oh was my that gosh! Yeah. yeah. Or an aid station. Yeah. Or why? Uh, is, yeah. So it's just kind of fun, you know. What? And so it gives you a sense of what you're getting into because then right. you can just really immerse yourself in the experience and not just show up and run it and, mm-hmm. you know, get your plaque or get your medal and then, you know, hightail it out of there and be done with it. It's, right. it's more, for me, and this, you know, I mean, running is kind of my life in a lot of ways. Right. Um, you know, it's my my life away from family and profession. And so for me, it just has a, an incredible amount of meaning. And the people are a big part of it. Right. Well, I, I think for me it's interesting, like you were talking about. It's interesting to know why this – I mean, everybody knows Western states that – I hope, anyway, that yeah. wants to run it, how that became, right. you know. Uh, it was a horse race. Yeah. This happened, that happened. And I think more and more, regardless of the race, to have that history – and, again, I think it goes back to what you're saying. Like, I'm the same way. I like to know the race director. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Because you know – you look at a race director and you say, like a Turtle Miller, he's mm-hmm. run races. He's a fun Point guy. Two. Uh-huh. He knows what this is about, right? Yeah. And this this is a turtle kind of race. It, it is. totally is. I mean, it is. This is what you would expect him to put on. Exactly. You, know? you come here with a different expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think to me, that's a lot of it is when I look at the races that are out today, me and Joel talk about them every week, and we talk about ones we'd like to do. Um, we don't really say ones we don't like to do because there's no reason for that. But, sure. But at the end of the day, it's what draws you to it. You know, Leadville got huge as soon as the book came out. Yeah, people, it, did. It, it drew people in because the book was fascinating. What, right. I mean, Born to Run was an interesting yeah. book. Well, it was a good read, right? Yeah. Even so some, some some things might not be factually correct, right? Or, or stretched. Or, yeah, right? exactly. Stretched is a good way to put it. But I think it drew people in. You know, right. Dean Carnassus' book came out. Right. You know, people were drawn into buying a pizza and having it delivered on your run. And, you know, <laughs> right. These little things, right? And I, So yeah. I think it connects on different levels with uh-huh. people. So I think you're right when you say that. It's some people want to come in and say, you know, a long time. I saw a bumper stick one time said, uh, you know, Oprah's done a marathon. Oh, a marathon. I'm right. not, I'm into that anymore. Yeah. You know, anybody can do it, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so I think that's with people. I've known uh-huh. people that have come in and said, I want to do a 100-mile race. They do a 100-mile race. They train hard. They do it, and they move on. Right. Right? Yeah. It's a bucket list thing. 
but I think the longe- longevity, what you've done, Dana, yeah. people we've talked to in the thing, it's it's more of a connection. Right. One, one time I took the all-time finishers list for Wasatch and did kind of a little st- statistical analysis of one-time finishers. Right. I mean, it was like 60% oh, or, or higher. I mean, it was, there were really only, you know, Two-thirds of the people only done it once. Now, that doesn't mean they've never done another 100-minder, but right. it may have just been a bucket list mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, what an incredible experience for somebody to have right. behind them to know that they that they did that. They, so they, I, I don't discount those people who certainly not who, no. well, they who put the did work 100. Because, yeah. you know, the nice thing about 100 is it's just hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> Carl, despite what Carl says. Yeah, <laughs> despite what Carl says, you know, I mean, I kind of tease him that, you know, that 100 isn't that far, but... But 100 is far. It is. It's a long ways, and you can get into, you know, that's one of the things that always fascinated me about 100s is that there's some real problem solving there, and, and you find out some things about yourself that you don't like. Yep. Right. Because I've, I'm, for example, I've never done a 100-mile race where I didn't want to quit. I mean, somewhere around 20 miles, I'm thinking, man, if I could just fake twisting my ankle... <laughs> You'd be I mean, home this playing is the, pickleball. I, I could be out of here, but it's got to be something legitimate. Yeah. I can't yeah. just say, you know, this is a really stupid idea. I've got to. Well, it is. I've got to f- get a fake hurt. Yeah. You know, and for me in Wasatch, it's usually running over, you know, somewhere over towards Bountiful B or oh, yeah. past Bountiful B is where yeah. I, I kind of get in that spot where I just, you know, and you don't like that about yourself that you're thinking, you know, I put all this work into this, but. This sucks. Yeah. This yeah. is just no I fun. Be I don't know why I'm doing this. If I hadn't told all those people, if I hadn't yeah. paid the money, if I didn't have a crew or didn't have pacer, I would just go home. Right. Yeah. And so, but to work through that is just amazing. Or You right. know how it feels towards the end of 100 where you're just digging so deep. And right. You're mad at yourself because you can't go faster. Yep. And then for me, there's just always a spot somewhere in the last 15 or 20 miles where it just all hooks up and you, you're okay doing three miles an hour right yeah yeah you realize this is okay but you know you you kind of get over all that you know your mind fighting your body and getting mad at yourself or disappointed or you know but now it just all kind of comes together and you 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 enjoy being right where you are and and for me anyway you know i'm kind of a planner and a schemer and and i usually look at the next thing before i finish even what i'm (laughs) doing so for wasatch it was always such a beautiful thing to experience that kind of unity of, of, you know, mind and body and soul of being in the right place, doing the right thing, doing all I could and being okay with it. I mean, right. it was just magical. I took that home with me, and it was just so incredibly rewarding when I'd reflect on it. So anyway, so what I guess going back is that for people who just do 100, mm-hmm. They probably experienced that too. Yeah, and I, I imagine think what so. an incredible experience! If you really need to talk to them after that, yeah, right, and say, "What what did you take what? away from this?" You know, like maybe a year or two did after. It, did it leave up? Did yeah, it not, live up yeah. to your ex- ex- yeah, not just that I'm never going to do this yeah. again. <laughs> right, but like but a year later, what what did it mean? Yeah, how, how did that impress upon you? Yeah. How did it change you? Yeah. And how? And what magnitude did it change you? Yeah, yeah. ten years it? from now, how are you going to look back and, and remember right. that? Yeah. How are you going to describe that experience to, you know, an employee, a fellow employee, your child, your grandchild? Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I th- and I, I mean, I think it has a big impact for people. It did, it did for me, has for me repeatedly. Right. Well, I, I absolutely could see that. And that's mean, part of the fix for me, anyway. Is that man? I miss that feeling. Do yeah. you? Just to test yourself, you know, to put yourself there, mm-hmm. and to, to come through that is just, 
Man, I miss that. I when mean, was I want to do 100 again so bad it just hurts. So uh, when was the last time you ran Wasatch? Remind me. 2014. And what, is that the last 100 you've done? So that yeah. was three years ago. Do you plan on doing another one? Well, it depends on if you ask your wife, my <laughs> wife, or me. <laughs> Remember, Wasatch is one race. We're asking, just done we're it multiple asking you. Times. Oh, <laughs> we won't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Joe will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope to do another 100. Okay. You know, I mean, Connie says, well, I'd rather have you walking at 80 oh, okay. than doing 100 now. And I'm thinking, I'll worry about 80 when 80 gets here. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah I, I like mean, that. I can that's plenty of years away, yeah, by the way. They, I'll walk have the hundred. Technology, they'll they can mm. put stuff in my body that they don't have exactly now. Exactly right. Why worry about that? You yeah. Know? So, yeah, I, I really want to do another hundred. I've got, I don't know if I can physically. Really? Yeah, yeah I'm not sure. Well, I mean, you, but you just mentioned earlier you've gone through some big yeah. changes yeah, I mean, like surgeries, well, yeah, well, sure, surgeries, and yeah. the way that you performed today. And when I was only a 10k, yeah, you came in at a good clip. Mm -hmm. You look fresh now. And I hate to enable you, but I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. We love enabling people. <laughs> That's what we do here. Yeah, so anyway, you know, I'm, I'm going to do Monument Valley 50 in March. Isn't that cool that they came back? Yeah. So did I was, you do it I before? Up, no, I've never been down. Well, I mean, I've been to Monument Valley. Right, but you, did you didn't do the race no, in its previous no, it just, iteration. It just tugs at me every time I'm down there. Okay, uh, so I did it, and it is so cool. Yeah. You get, I mean, number one, Monument Valley is out in the middle of nowhere. And then when you run on the on the reservation, oh. you get way, way like double X in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, "This is cool and creepy at the same time." Yeah. Search and rescue doesn't I have looked, this on their I map. Exactly. <laughs> I looked at the photos, and it just—I mean, it about it's made amazing. me cry. It is so magical. It's so cool. And then if you do the 50k, I'm assuming they're going to use the same courses they had before. You get up on this one mesa. And there's like guides up there, uh -huh. right? And they're like pointing you this way and that way, and you can stop and chat with them, which is awesome to do. Yeah. Because those are people that live there on the mm -hmm. reservation, yeah. and they'll tell you a bit of history about oh. like there used to be this old uranium mine Down at there. the top of this mesa uh -huh. that helped you know fuel the Manhattan Project. Wow. Right. And at the bottom of that mesa, there's a guide down there, and he's down there like singing native oh, songs, man. and it's echoing off these canyons. It's a yeah. I don't say this lightly, but it was a magical experience. No, no, that's yeah, that's why. So as soon as I heard it came back, yeah, I got right on and signed up. And did you? Turtle, I, Turtle said he's in. So oh, see, I, I kind of want to do that too. Turtle messaged me because he's been telling me that's the one race yeah. you have to do. Yeah. So he messaged me when it came back, and for me, I've got a different like it's. I grew up. Me and my dad's big connection was John Wayne movies. Oh yeah. wow! And so you look at my any angle you yeah. right. look at monument valley yeah. it's john wayne on a horse right, yeah. right exactly I mean, everything so yeah. everybody else it'll be forrest gump but you know, yeah yeah exactly john i think wayne. there's a bucket list race that has to be on your bucket list yeah is to go do yeah. monument valley. well and it's put on it's put on by the the reservation right yeah the people, people on the reservation yeah. so i mean that's i don't know yeah so anyway so I'll, you know if, if that goes well yeah then i'll try to do a hundred I might even sign up for Wasatch, but I'm not sure. Oh, well, registration's Reg open. It's open. I, know I bet it's you open know today. a guy. Yeah, we so won't I tell don't Connie. Don't worry. <laughs> you should I be grandfathered know. in. Just she'll just in. yeah. You can blame it on us. So anyway, but I'm, I don't know if I can say ahead of the, at the split times. At right. The, at yeah. The cutoffs. Seriously, I'm sure you can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you know, with with the you know, you kind of got on it a little bit there a minute ago, but and and earlier too, you coach a little bit. You yeah. you, you deal with people on on what they do, and you were talking about that whole mind body soul connection mm -hmm. right. right what do you what do you tell the people when it gets tough 
they get late in a race, whether it's your, your people you coach or people that are listening to the show, everybody goes through those lows, but they put so much work and time in. <clears throat> what, do you, what do you say to them about moving forward, making that tough call? Well, I, kinda, I mean, I used to have a kind of a mantra that I would use a lot, and, and it was just things will get better or worse. True. And that was, and I'd really try to teach my athletes that, that when you're, if you're cruising along and you're getting really excited and think, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to open up the throttle and just really storm this. I'm like saying, <laughs> patience. <you know>? Right. <laughs> and the same thing is true then, that if you're just down in the dumps, you know, that it, it is going to get better. And I think that that's one of the things that, that some people never come back to 100 after a DNF because they didn't, they never learned that it's not going to keep going downhill. Cause right. Because, you, know you know, you feel good for a while in, in 100, mm -hmm. maybe through... Depends on how fit you are. You Mile know, five. Maybe it Depending might be, it <laughs> might be on the 40, race. it might be 50, it yeah. might be 60. But some people think, crap, if this, if I keep hurting worse and worse and worse and worse, right. I won't be able to stand it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I literally don't think I can do it anymore. So I really try to teach people to just to understand that at some point it's not going to hurt any worse. Right. And it's just going to be a matter of dealing with dealing with that level of pain and and working through it because you will come out the other side mm -hmm. you know you'll sun will come up right you know you'll be happier the food will start to work you're going to come out of that funk but but give it time you know right. don't, don't 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 bail out too early um and then another thing that i like this the woman who did her her bear solo um she said well i'm kind of worried you know what what if it gets tough? What should I be thinking about? You know, I mean, and I just said, well, there's really nothing magic. You know, you, you've set yourself up. You don't have you don't have people to cheer you on. You don't have a belt buckle. You don't have a plaque. Right. You've taken away some of those external rewards. So all you're left with is how bad you want to do this. Right. I mean, what does this mean to you? So when you get down to that place where it's really, really hard, you need to know the answer to that question. Right. Why am I doing this? And mm -hmm. how much does it really, really mean? And so when you get funky and it's terrible and you hurt and you don't think you can go on, that's what you've got to find deep inside. Not the, I really don't want to do this, but it's no, this means the world to me. Right. Yeah. And even if that's like I told 20 people I'm going to do it or I posted it on Facebook and people are going to think I'm a creep because I didn't do what I said. I mean, whatever you, however you set yourself up to have to do it, that's all got to be done before race day because you're not going to discover it during mm -hmm. the race. I mean, chances are you're going to you're going to fall on your nose, right? Because you didn't you didn't you didn't know the answer to that question. Well, and that goes back to like the mental side of it, right? I mean, because you talk about the physical side, the training, the mileage, getting up to it. But when you go back to the mental side, there's a whole different training method behind that. And what yeah. you said is, why are you doing it? Right. Because you do talk to, unfortunately, see people that do it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And I'd say wrong reasons because they're not doing it for themselves or they're not doing it for to see what they're capable of doing. Maybe, right. Right. Uh -huh. um, so when you're, you're talking to your athletes, do you talk to them more about when you're training them and giving their schedules or anything else? Do you do that mental side far as why are you doing this or do you I mean, how does that work? with? Yeah, we, we talk a lot about it, you know, because I, I usually with the people I train, I try to train with them sometimes, you okay. know, so we'll get out and try to get out long enough. They start to struggle and we'll talk about what they're feeling oh, awesome. and you know what's what's that is cool what's going to happen cool. what's right? going to happen now 
mm-hmm. you know, and how are you feeling about this, and and um, just to try to prepare them for it. So I, th- I think that's, anyway, that's kind of a key. Well, I think it, it, it is, because if you've done anything hard, whether it's, I don't care if it's 100 mile or 50 yeah. mile or marathon, half right. marathon, 5K, yeah. there comes those times when you are at that point yep. that you talk about of, uh, why am I doing this? I can't make it any farther. Mm-hmm. And it really does, as hard as it is to seem, because I've been on both sides, unfortunately, but you do come out the other side, yeah. barring right. barring serious injury, yep. you yeah. know, things True. like that. You know, but it's like in 2015, the year after we retired, my 19-year-old daughter and I rode tandem bike cross-country, Self, self-supported, pulling a trailer. Whoa. She's 19 years old. We've always been what? really close. She's strong mentally, but I was the one who would get, I'm such a, I'm so fussy about details. Yeah. Like, we had a day, and I knew we were going to do, like, 5,000 feet of climbing the, the next day. I'm, like, all nervous about it and worked up, and she's like, Dad, you know, how many people have done the Trans Am? Right. Well, okay, well, you know, probably 20,000. And she <laughs> said, well, you know, Dad, they all got through tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> Man, like that. Awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, so now... You know, we kind of had this private language now, so you know she's in finals week at the university, and right. So she's like, "Crap, you know, I've got these eighteen major assignments, and I'll do the <laughs> oh same no. day." And I'll say, "Michaeli, you know, how many people have gone through the teacher education program at SUU?" You know? Right. <laughs> okay, Dad. Yeah, she's like, she's <laughs> like, I wish I'd never said exactly. That. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's like others have. People have gotten through this. Right. You, you can too. I absolutely awesome. love that right there. I know. Because yeah. the same thing, any race you do, Wasatch, Hard Rock, Western, I don't care what it well, is. Yeah, hard it's Rock's like, different. It's no, how many have got through them? Yeah, well, they, right? they did it. They yeah, did it. They did I mean, it. like some old guy. Yeah. You know? You're I not mean, just you some old the, guy. I mean, I mean, some old guy, some, oh, yeah. per, some person it, just, just had open heart surgery. Right. Yeah. Hans Zeter, you know? Yeah. I mean, you look at him and you go, geez. That's, I love well, the hard part is that they really take away all your excuses. It's <laughs> pretty easy. Well, you that's know? So it. At, some, yeah. at some point, you realize that you just whipped out, you know, you just, <laughs> which is okay. I mean, I've, I've quit, I think I DNF'd about three races in my history. And, oh, my gosh. And I, and I, I could got, DNF three in a year. <laughs> I, I got through it. Yeah, You know, exactly. I survived. I, you know, there was, I think only one of them I have remorse about. The what, other. what was that? Uh, well, one year I DNF'd at Wasatch. Okay. I got to Big Mountain or up to Upper Big Water. I was I was going for like finish number sixteen. I got there and I realized there is no reason whatsoever for me to keep going. Why is that? No, I just didn't care. There wasn't. Yeah. You give a damn broke. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I was I didn't feel any worse than I have some other years, but I right. just got there and said, "This is stupid." <laughs> I mean, I didn't even follow the race for like three years. Right. I just said, I'm not going to go back till I get hungry again. So I didn't care. I mean, right. I, I went to the finish. I didn't feel bad the next day, like, oh, that was so stupid. I just, right. like, I didn't need to do it that day. Gotcha. One year, I, I DNF'd at Old Dominion. Mm-hmm. I tore a sartorius muscle up oh high on my, my hip gosh. at about mile 80, and I could only go down. Well, I could only go sideways. It would gotcha. have pick up. <laughs> so I Side shuffling in 20 miles. Yeah, I didn't feel bad about that. Yeah, you shouldn't. One time I was doing a triathlon at Estes, at Estes Park, right, Colorado, and I they start in that time they started the 27 mile mountain run, <laughs> and about in the snow, no kidding. I mean it was up high, right. So with about five miles to go on the run, this big winter blizzard blew in, <laughs> oh and I was literally hypothermic by the time I got on my bike. And right, I couldn't control my bike. Yeah, and I bailed out of that one, and I should have kept going. So that's the one I regret. That was okay. like 1980. 
two. Jeez. Nineteen eighty two. That still bothers me. I Does need to go it? back. They don't have the race anymore, but that that one bothers me. The other ones, I think that those are my DNF. So okay. Well, let me ask you this: being with your history with the coaching side, whether it's your cross country kids early on or your co- your coaching now, what would you tell people that have a DNF stuck in their craw? Like it's I'm gonna say limiting them, but maybe it's discouraging them a little right. bit. You know, they they can't get over it. They they don't want to do the next one. What would yeah. you tell someone like that? Uh, probably my first question would be, well, what happened and what did you learn? I mean, that's that's the place to start. You know, they're like, well, my my feet hurt. my I blistered. Right. My stomach went south. And it gives you something to work on. So that's usually what I do. I'll just say, let's let's drill down on that problem. Right. Now, is it going to be a new problem? <laughs> yeah. <there's always laughs> but let's something. work on that one that you had that, that's making you afraid that you can't do it anymore. Right. And then just drill down and work on that one. And. You know, they have a few successful experiences, and they kind of overcome their fear. Gotcha. And shifting gears just just a little bit with with what you've done throughout your career and what you've seen far as just nothing early on, you know, far as we were talking about nutrition and hydrations and everything else, where do you see the, the ultra running, trail running, races side, where do you see it going? I mean, do you see, are you still happy about where it's going is there some concerns you have where it's going yeah i have i'm i'm happy and i have concerns okay i'm really glad that people are getting out on the trails right um because i think that that it's well it's just it's a lot more pleasant than than road running true um the downside of it is that we're all now wearing gps watches right and so we want to get home and we want to know exactly how far we ran and how mm-hmm. many feet we climbed, and we want to share that with everybody. That kind of bothers me mm-hmm. because I think it takes it takes the very element of suspense, surprise, unknown, and then repackages it into road running in my mind, you know, and and that kind of bothers me because I mean, yeah, I I. I'm like everybody else, you know. I'm running with a GPS watch because I want to. I use it for pacing. Right. I, I don't share my routes, but I use it for pacing. Um, so that kind of bothers me. Um, you know, was I probably happier not knowing how fast I went? Yeah. I mean, there were years at Wasatch where I I didn't run with a watch, and I'd run within two minutes of my. <laughs> I mean, literally. That's awesome. That's amazing. I mean, well, it is. I mean, the first year I ran, ran without a watch, I was 17 seconds slower than the previous year. Oh, my gosh. So I ran a, like a 21.32.26, and then I ran a 21.32.43 <laughs> with no watch. It's amazing. I, said, I don't want to know. <laughs> right. I just don't want to know because, you know, we all have an internal clock. So I, I – and but that's not a trend I'm going to reverse. Yeah. Right. You know, because it's here to stay. And yeah, it is. So we'll not fight it. Um. But I like that there are more people out. Of course, the downside is trail access and, you know, down. Our buddy Quentin Barney just finished. <laughs> yeah. Nice job, Quentin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, down in southern Utah, the trails are still lightly used compared to the Wasatch Front and other places. So I mentioned are, that to Joel yesterday. Yeah. I could not believe Nobody's the trail we were on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have it to yourself. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's... Like I say, there are things I really like about it, things I don't like. Um, I do wish that people would 
get out of their comfort zones a little bit more just because I think there's a lot to be learned. Even if it's just go do some race that just got started or, right. or you know, do a Davy Crockett run, just think up something totally outlandish to do, and then just go figure it out. I mean, there's so much to be gained from that, even though it's a little scary. Yeah, right. But, you know, it's it's you look at how well this course was marked today. Yeah, it really that, was. That's our it expectation was. now, you know. Yeah. yeah. Versus taking a map and going, well, I'm, I'm going to go do a six-and-a-half-mile loop. I don't know where in the crap that thing goes. And then Kinda you're like out there lost for an hour and a half going, well, I guess I won't do that again. Or, hey, <laughs> I just found a whole new place. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like a two-hour loop now, you know. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I'd, I'd like people to be able to enjoy that part of it, too. Right. Well, realistically, yeah. that's why a lot of people get into ultra running, right, is how what they can do, what they can see. Right. I, I think about it every single time I run. Today is a perfect example. Yeah. This, this course we were on, it's not hard to get to. Yep. Nope. You can get on any time you want. But I remember running, uh, once you get on top of the big climb and you're right. kind of going through those big rocks, I remember thinking, if I would have not signed up for this race, I would have never saw this Wasn't in my lifetime. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, was amazing. There. It was oh, super it was cool. neat. Up in those boulders. Yeah. But if I would have never signed up, I wouldn't have come yeah, down here and did a training run. There. I wouldn't yeah, have known it was there. so much like that. So many little surprises around. Yeah. You know, they're everywhere. That's the thing that's amazing. Mm-hmm. True, right? They are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And people are excited to share them with you. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good thing. Joel, we got here yesterday, um, Friday, and we thought, well, let's go out for a run. Joel's been on the trail before. He takes me out. We did Chuckwalla Trail. We did yeah. Turtle. We did the Paradise Rim and then came back down by Turtle Wall. I was yeah. I was honestly like a six-year-old that uh-huh. just discovered water paints. Yeah. <laughs> I was like giggling, yeah. videoing. We'd stop, and I would be like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my. And it's not something that, like, someone down here has never seen. It's their right. normal. Yeah, okay? it's their normal. But for but us, it was new. It, it was, was unique. It was reinvigorating is what it was. Like, it mm-hmm. made me excited to trail run again yeah. right it made me excited to go back home and train harder it made yeah. me excited to be on the trail and like you were mentioned before that's everywhere it doesn't matter what like you would drive your truck from california to where'd you go canada or we said earlier you're to deliver fruits or whatever uh, it's like anywhere you go there's a trail yeah right and just see where it goes yeah, yeah. and Let there's see i, I want to go up i want to go up and run around up, up around mount st helens Oh, cool. I don't want to do the too I don't want to do the Bigfoot. Wonderland. But just go run in that area. Yeah. It looks pretty neat. Just, it's just so stunning. There're just right. so many places like that that you just Yep. I mean that, you know, like my wife kind of gets kicked out of me cuz we go someplace in the van and we'll come to some big good open valley and I just want to stop and just go run. Go. Go explore. Just go run to that mountain over there, you know. Right. I mean, every every place I drive, I just it just tugs at me to just just go play out there. Just go, just go see it. Right. And it's not conquer it. It's it's just be a part of it. Go Do you be think a part that's of it. Exactly. Just part of this wanderlust that you always had. Um, probably not because you know running has changed for me over the years. Okay. You know, I kind of joked about that when I won Wasatch for the first time. I realized I could be good at this. I was so driven to be the best at something. That, that that was my primary motivation for a lot of years to just, it really meant a lot to me. I was really hungry to be successful and, and to be, to do something really, really well that meant a lot to me. That right. was my primary motivation. And so it was kind of in hindsight that I realized that over time that it began to transition to more the, the journey. Right. You know, to, to enjoy the training more, to enjoy just 
the motion of running, mm-hmm. you know, just to appreciate being a runner, you know, not not to win. That was, you know, that that wasn't as as important to me anymore. But it was just really appreciating, right? You know what I was able to do. So it it it, it changed. So it hasn't always been there. It was it was much more specific and goal oriented early on, right? As I've gotten older, it's it's become a lot more mellow and more a part of my life, and my eyes are open bigger. You know, hmm. what's what what would you attribute to that change? Because like I, Joel does well. I come from like a team sport background. Yeah, your goal is to be the best, right? No matter what. Yeah. I remember my very first trail run was a 50k, or my my first ultra. But I remember I lined up next to a guy who was 70 years old with sweatpants. And I looked at him and kind of giggled. Yeah, it wasn't fit. That (laughs) guy blew by me, literally. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you? How would? What would you attribute to that change? Because I still, to this day, struggle with. I know I never win or anything else, but I have that internal drive. Drive. Right. Where it's like no one, no one trains to be 150th. Nobody. Right. It's like you train for how well you do, but deep down, you know, you're you're training on different levels. But what would you attribute that switch to? that non-competitive with other people to let's enjoy the journey. Well, I th- I, th- I think you kind of ask, you know, do you make the switch because you can't win anymore? Mm. And so that's that's all you've got left, yeah. right? Or or do you make the switch because you know your your eyes start to open a little bit more? I, I don't know that there's a really good answer to that question and maybe they kind of happen simultaneously. Right. I, mean, I I would be I'm I hope that some of the people who are at the top of their game right now are enjoying what they're doing. I mean, really enjoying it, yeah. not just not just stacking on wins so they can maintain sponsorships, you know. And right. But that they really enjoy what they're doing, that it's still fun for them. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure on that. Like, yeah, I guess kind of who you know, it is. or. But, you know, also, I mean, running happens in the rest of – I mean, running – your running career is is overlaid on your life, you know, when you really think about it. And when you think of, for example, me, all the changes that have happened in my life since, you know, my first my first ultramarathon when I was, you know, like 31. I mean, over 35 years, there's so much life experience. You know, so many things have happened to me that I've learned so much from that, you know, to isolate your running from all the rest of your life, you really can't do that. So just like running impacts, you know, the rest of your life, the rest of your life also kind of colors how you, you know, how you view your running. Right. It could be a death in the family. It could be falling off a cliff and realizing I could have been dead. You know, I mean, right. people have fallen shorter distances than mm-hmm. that and been killed or permanently disabled. Right. I mean, that's life changing. Yeah. Yeah, that's life changing. Oh, Joel's pointing out on the course at something. What do Those you got? Those guys are booking it, coming in right now. Oh yeah, so they're they are full on racing. They're late in the day. Yeah. So we're about f- almost three. We're about almost four hours into the race. Oh, yeah. and they're duking it out. They are oh, duking my gosh. it out. This is so cool. This we, is fun. Yeah, we're watching it firsthand. This is I nice. I think they're coming in for lap four, maybe. Yeah, there's no reason to uh, run the that 50k, fast. but they are, <laughs> they, they were lap. busting down the ridge. That's this, awesome. this is what I like about this race right now. Yeah, is that we're in a really cool. That start guy in the area. back, he's charging hard. He is charging hard to he's catch his bike. I think he's biding his time. He's I don't fall. know. We might get this really exciting finish yeah. here. Are they finishing? Oh, he's is. got him. The second place guy's got him. He's got him dialed in right there. He's, he's got more go charging by him. 
Unless he just gets up on his shoulder. Well, neither one of them have shirts on, so if they fall, they're going to get a rash. <laughs> <They're gonna> get, <laughs> that's, that was your primary concern, <laughs> wasn't it? It was. Shirtless runners. <laughs> you know, that was always one of my fears was that at Wasatch, you'd get down about two miles to go and somebody would come up on your shoulder. Oh, oh he yeah. got him. Well, the second, the guy now in second, that's uh, Levi Hawks, isn't it? I'm not Every, sure. Everybody's drawn. All 10 people oh, here at the finish are drawn. See, yes. I think they still have another yeah, lap. I think another lap for sure. Another this, lap. This All doesn't right. mean anything. Yeah. Here he goes. No. This now is they're going to come in together. This is just th- oh, he's point. This is just a fluffing your feathers. Yeah, right. right. And they're coming in the wrong. This is just a little show of strength there. Yeah, just a, a little nudge. Hey, yeah, I'm still here. I'm, I'm here. Still here. Right. Don't, here. Don't forget. That's awesome. Doesn't discount me. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned it early on too, and this is always kind of that Pandora's box, right? We haven't talked about it on the show for a while, but you you What's worked that? with Ultimate Direction for a while. Yeah, right. You talked about athletes doing well, maybe. Oh, that wasn't Levi Hawks, but maybe keeping their sponsors. Mm-hmm. What is your thought? Because now you look at 1985, you know, Wasatch 100, all the races you did. Now you look, and there's so many sponsors in the game, paid athletes in mm-hmm. the game. Is that good? Is that bad? Is it kind of a in between both? What do you, What are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it pushes the sport ahead, right? I mean, and and it does make the sport. Uh, you know, it just increases the visibility. Right. You know, so you look at some of the times that people are running and you just scratch your head. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so it's, in some ways, it's really good for the, the sport because those are now legitimate times. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got top flight people there. Not, not because your sport is so obscure that the good athletes don't take it seriously so they don't show up anymore. Right. But now there's getting to be enough money and enough notoriety and enough you know glitz about it right that you get the really good people out there and you start to see what was maybe really possible all the time so right i think in that sense it it, it pushes the sport well you know but as long as you don't as, as long as in in allowing them or enabling them to perform at those levels you don't have to jeopardize the nature of the sport itself to accomplish mm-hmm. it if you know what I mean, you right? Know? So if people can only run that fast, if you have it superbly marked on, you know, not very rocky, and your aid stations are all capable of taking somebody in and out in 30 seconds, and right. all these conditions that it takes to do that, as long as that doesn't become the norm, right? That's probably okay. Gotcha. Well, and we've we've seen too, and I'm sure you have as well on some level, as we see athletes kind of come and go a little bit. Yeah. Um, you see that not longevity of the seven to ten it's years hard, you talked yeah. about earlier because they are chasing that sponsor. Right. Yeah. Or they're chasing, hey, my sponsor will pay me to do this or do that. Yep. And that's where me, like we've had athletes on the show like that say, hey, settle down. Right. There can be longevity oh, yeah. for you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because we talked about earlier, Carl Meltzer, he's just yeah. still clicking off 100 mile wins. Right. Yeah. Right. And now he's saying he's going to go to Western States and break the 50 over the oh, Masters. The Masters record. Yeah. He's going to run a. Faster than 1843. Yeah. That's just plain fast. That Doesn't is. Matter that's quick. 100 miles. Doesn't you're matter doing. how old you are, that's fast. Absolutely. Yeah. But the, but you also see some of the some of some younger athletes that have come in that have burned out and, and got health issues. Thank yeah. You. Because they are, you know, and, and I don't know why I'm not that person, but you see a lot of it is we've talked to some that's like, well, yeah, if my sponsor's paying for me to go there. They're right. putting the race on, and if I do well, I can collect X. Yeah. Right. Right. That's a um, lot of pressure. It yeah. is a lot of pressure, and especially if someone's younger. 
Yeah. I don't mean that in a, any negative way, but sure. everybody learns as you get older, right? I mean, you're not. Well, they can well, stick around long enough; they can learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. You've you've put your profession on hold and said, "I'm going to be a runner for a while yep. here." Right. In the meantime, that engineering degree or whatever it is you've got sitting on the shelf, and right. you're chasing this, you know, wild and crazy dream out here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's kind of the scary part sometimes with that. Yeah. The sponsor realm, because we've seen some such great young athletes come in and just spike super yep. fast and then they kind of some have disappeared and some have just nosedived for a long period of time right well it's kind, you know it's kind of like it's similar to like when i used to coach high school you know there were sometimes years where we'd have four or five kids go to college on, on running scholarships and most of them it just destroyed i mean and i kind of see it similar that you know they had to run at that level to maintain their scholarship and right the team and it just broke them. Right. And some of them never come back to running yep. after that again. And others, you know, I think I really only had probably one high school runner who really succeeded well at the collegiate level mm-hmm. out of, you know, probably 20 who went on scholarship. Most of them, it just tore in pieces. Right. And that's unfortunate, you know. And then if it you is. take kids that come out here and, you know, these young you know, that are 18, 19, 20, 25 years old, and they're running 150, 200 miles a week to be yeah. competitive. That can't be a lot of fun. I mean, seriously, if you feel like yeah. you've got to, because that's going to pay my mortgage or right. take care my of my car. kids. Or well, at that point, they don't have kids, right, when they're that young. Some do, though. So I, I do worry about part. that, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, now if, if, I was, if I was young and good, would I chase it? Absolutely. Right. I mean, you know, I don't. I, I wouldn't say, "Oh no, I'm I'm above that." No, I'd I'd be all over that. You bet. Right. Do you do you see any more in your your eyes? See any more Carls and Jurics and longevity with just great accomplishments? Or Ooh, do you not? That's a good question. You know, I don't. I don't think you see them coming very well. Right. You know, I mean, I I interviewed Carl last spring, and you mm-hmm. know, he started. I asked him how did. When did you figure this out? Because he didn't start out being the it best. It took him two or three or four years to right. to really figure it out, and then he really did and, and was able to stay with it. Um, but I don't know that you can see an Antracen, you know, or a right. Carl, you know. Um, y- you just don't know. I, I don't know that you can spot them coming up. Right. Well, <laughs> and, w- I mean, we had a great time talking with Anna Frost right. um, last earlier this year yeah and she kind of resembled that a little bit she got burnt out she got way burnt out it wasn't fun for her and she found herself traveling and doing all these things and she told us it it took her going back to hard rock the previous year right and she found her love again for it it was almost like it became a job right and it was like oh i have like you mentioned i have to do this or i need to do this to stay relevant and she's like i lost my way a little bit and then it took me some time and then i found hard rock again that right. was like one of her things and she's like now i'm back to you know yeah but just enjoying who do normal is different than previous it, absolutely absolutely right. you know and it, it's a i mean it would be a difficult situation to be in if you were if you were a sponsored athlete and mm-hmm. you felt like i have got to win x number of races right. in a year to maintain my my sponsorship i don't know we don't all enjoy going to work no so maybe it doesn't matter Good point. If they don't want to go run yeah, <laughs> <But> <laughs> if that's your job, and, yeah. there, and there's more, and it's 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 super fun though. There's more and more younger, fresher, newer people coming into the scene that's yeah. kind of pushing others a little bit, and it's fun to watch. 
Oh, because right, yeah. that's not us. <laughs> yeah, <good laughs> you know. <point. laughs> so I mean, we got Hayden Hawks. He's been hanging around yeah. today, and, and just his to watch Levi's here. Yeah, his brother, yeah. and just to see what Hayden's done, right. and just seeing him. You can see Levi running off in the distance right now, just chucking up that hill. Yeah, like, he's going like seven minute pace up that hill. Okay, maybe eight minute pace right now. Yeah, but he's going fast. And that's fun pounds. to see. But Isn't that fun to watch? It yeah. is. It's I mean, I, I mean, he looks good going up that hill, and this yeah. is his final lap, probably. Yeah. On the 50K? Yeah, I'll drive 50K. around with my wife, and we'll see, like, the SUU cross-country team, and I'll, oh, she'll just gosh. be going, Dana, quit looking at their legs. Yeah. You know, I'm like, man, I want a leg transplant. <laughs> I want, <laughs> I I want so legs. That used to I be me. their legs. Right? Just know, looking it, so, it's so be- effortless. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It is. Yeah. To me, it is. I mean, I, yeah. I love I think to it watch is. good runners. Oh, I do, yeah. too, because I can That's dream great. about it. Now I know what to dream about later. Now I know what a good form looks like. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Four before. Yeah. Uh, well, I really, I, I know I speak for Joel on this because we've talked about it, but I appreciate you taking the time to yeah. join us today. Thank you. Um, oh, my pleasure. This has honestly been on our book for so long. At least a year. Uh, easy. And so yeah. when we came in, we're like, no, we're not taking a chance. We're getting him on the show. Right. we got to do a podcast with him because what you have is so much history and knowledge. And right. Things that we haven't touched on and uh-huh. things that many people never know about. Right. Um, and for you to take the time to share some of that with us is awesome because that's what we're trying to do. We try to bring some of the listeners some of the history and yeah. some of what makes what we do now. I mean, we look at it now and it's like a no-brainer. Right. But there was a lot of struggle to get stuff like this going, whether it was permits, yeah. whether yeah. it was people showing up to races like you mentioned. And now you see Wasatch is a lottery, you know. Um, and so what you've endured and what you've set forth for us is, I mean, every, all the trailers need to think, Thank you, right? You know, and pioneers like you for what we have today. That's so well, true. You I know. appreciate that. No, it's it's true because me and Joel will never be fast, but we absolutely are passionate. We're uh-huh. fanboys of the sport on every way you could think of. Um, but without people like you, we would not have this opportunity. Ever. Right. You know, and well, so you know, one of the projects I'm working on right now is that Wasatch has kind of adopted me as their their unofficial race historian. Mm-hmm. So I'm posting. His, historical articles on the Wasatch website. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm hoping that by Christmas time, my goal is to have 1980 finished, the rest of the story, and then uh, through 81 when no one finished. Right. And then probably right after the first year, I'll start on when Ben Duell came out in 82. So I'm trying to, I've done interviews on all those people. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to go back and say, what what was it like? What did it mean to you? Right. What, what did you use? How was it? So for me, I'm uh, I'm I appreciate all that history that came before I did because the f- sport was pretty well defined by the time I started in '85. Right. And so it's been really fun for me to go back and talk to, you know, Laurie Staten or those folks who were doing doing stuff like this in the late '80s, before I even knew it existed. So hmm. you know, well, we all kind of we all kind of ride on somebody else's shoulders, and oh, yeah. cer- that's true. certainly the case for me. Well, it's abs. It I still I can't fathom the stuff, and it's absolutely fascinating because we just I mean we went to a St. George Running Company or Running Center yesterday and saw just everything right, right. from nutrition to yep. belts, and we talked to Bryce Thatcher on his evolution of the hydration world. Right, yeah. and for us, it's that's what it is. Yeah, right. I mean, this is. This is you go to the store, you get what you need. You are you off on your way. You don't have right. to think. Yeah, yeah. Get <laughs> online know? and ask the question. Ask the question. Yeah. You're yeah. gonna get 57 Somebody responses and two trolls yeah. and a photo and a gif. And yeah. you're good to go, right? <laughs> um, but no, but seriously, everything you've done and everything you've meant to the sport, especially and, and a lot with people here. I mean, you can't say your name without somebody 
knowing you or having right. a story about you or having a memory, um, and that's us included. Um, well, we, thank you. We just take this as probably some of the highlights of what we do on the mm-hmm. podcast is having people like yourself well, on here. Sport, sport's been good to me. I, I do feel fortunate. Well, and you've been you've done a lot for the sport, so right. it's, that, it's that beautiful kind of kumbaya moment of giving oh. back, right? Oh, do That's we right. need to have a hug here? <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> Someone's got a, what a didgeridoo blowing in the back. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, like no, no, no. Pass on that. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, thank, thanks for work. So Thank I'm you. excited to hear see more of the the, the history. Wasatch history because yeah. yeah. I've been watching years. that. But mm-hmm. the early years are yeah, just it's, it's really fun. I mean, I joke with Joel a lot, and I'm like, yeah, did they have Buddha bags? They have canteens, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like I remember Gatorade coming in a glass bottle. How did they yeah. use that? Yeah. And you know, because that yeah. was a cutting edge. <laughs> so, but thanks for having uh, yeah, thank you coming on the show and and spending time with us and. Man, we, we really want to get you back on later as Pretty well, fun. especially as we go down yeah. that, well, yeah, that Wasatch road. When you road. do Wasatch again. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that'll be good. We'll hit you oh right dear. at the finish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll oh be boy. good fun. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're pegged in there. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yep. Uh, awesome to spend some time with you yeah. um, other than just a few minutes on the trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, now i got more to talk to my kids about, so that'll be exciting. So thanks again, and good luck with uh, the rest of your running and yep. the next race. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We cannot thank Dana Mud and Guts Miller enough for joining us today. We also want to thank Turtle Miller for putting on such a great race down here at the Capstone Races. So that's all the background noise you hear, which is just fun. Um, we also want to encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners. Or swing by the website at trailmanners.com. We do have some gear left on the site. Or you can hit us up on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on the show. Until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it. (laughs) 